prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is the Legend of Retro. Welcome to the Legend of Retro. I am Craig WK, and with me is my compatriot, The Glitch. Hey, what's going on, Craig? Glitch, great to be chatting with you. I yeah. not really uh, done an episode together in a bit since quarantine started, right? Uh, yeah, might have been episode 200, probably. Yeah, I think that's I think that is the last one. Uh, and today we brought in a special guest. Hello, I, I was I'm wondering. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm on time. Don't get used to it. <laughs> Metric on stage, everybody. Uh, I I wasn't sure if. Uh, uh, Glitch was going to ask who the guest was or if uh, Patrick was going to chime in. And so we just hit this weird, awkward pause. So that's that's doing this over the Internet for you. I thought you guys just froze. Well, see, I, I thought I thought Patrick turned to stone. Which was very topical for the game we're covering today, which is Dragon Quest V. That's right. Dragon that's a heck Quest. of a segue. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride. Released on February 17th, 2009 by Square Enix for the Nintendo DS, this JRPG remake depicts the trials of a young boy who grows into a hero uh, with and with his family must do battle with a demon lord. Yep. Just like most Dragon Quest games, there's a demon lord. Every- yeah, but this one has time travel. They're like time skips. Yeah, there's, there's some interesting stuff about this one. And yeah, I... I Glitch, I think the only Dragon Quest that didn't have a Demon Lord was number one. That was a Dragon Lord. Yeah. Completely different. Completely different Totally different. Way different. Uh, So we we should mention, so this was a remake, obviously, like Craig said, of a game that was on the Super Famicom. And at that time, it was just called Dragon Quest V, and it was released in Japan only. Yeah. Man, how boned did we get on games? Oh, my God. (laughs) In the Super Nintendo era, all these great RPGs. Yeah, we really did. Uh, yeah, Japan got this in September of 1992. That is a like, that is an amazing uh, uh, game to get that early in the Super Nintendo's life. And it only took us 15 years to get it here. Woo! <laughs> Woo. Uh, yeah, there's a few differences. Uh, in the original version, you only have three party members instead of four, and uh, they added a bunch more monsters uh, uh, that you can gather or, or have join you uh, for the uh, later versions, like the, uh, well, heck, uh, uh, Japan also had the uh, an exclusive with uh, Dragon Quest V on the PlayStation 2. Yep. We, we, we missed 04. out on that, too. Yeah, basically use like the Dragon Quest Seven engine, I believe, and they, like, they use that graphical style. Yeah, it was the same developers. Uh, Artie Piazza? Did I say that right? Uh, Arte Piazza. I always thought it was Art Piazza. But Art Piazza? It probably is Art Piazza. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I know. Yeah, because Chunsoft did the Super Famicom version. Mm-hmm. And then back then it was Enix. But by the time we got it here in 09, it was Square Enix. Yep, exactly. Uh, so for any of our listeners who, who aren't familiar with Dragon Quest, this is the quintessential JRPG series. It is what founded JRPGs and gave it the J. That's 
that's what the series is all about. It is classic turn-based stuff. And uh, honestly, this game has a few interesting wrinkles on it, but uh, it, it's it's quite a bit more simple than something like Dragon Quest Three, where you have different jobs and you you know make your own party. Uh, in this game, the people are kind of don't really have classes; they just sort of do their own thing. The kind of the interesting quirk comes from if you want to use monsters or not. Yeah, I thought the monster system was very interesting, and they ended up using it for an entire Dragon Quest game with Dragon Quest Monsters. A whole series of games, heck. Uh, oh, yeah. Because you have Dragon Quest Monsters, uh, let's see. There's Rocket Slime. Rocket Slime. Uh, well, Rocket Slime, did that use the, I mean, that's sort of its own weird thing, right? Oh, it's like his own spinoff. I've actually never played the Rocket Slime game. Oh, yeah. It's I, really fun. <laughs> it's a super weird game. It's real goofy. Uh, but yeah, so anyhow, the uh, when it comes to uh, Dragon Quest V, it predates Pokemon, and it basically had like a Pokemon-esque monster collection system. Yeah, I yeah. mean, how it would work is you'd you'd face your enemies, and uh, out of a certain list of monsters, at the end of the fight, there was a probability. So it'd say, "Oh, this slime wants to join your party. Will you accept them?" And then they would be in your gang and earn experience as you earn experience and uh, learn love, learn magic as you learn magic and everything like that. Yeah, they're essentially just other party members uh, yeah. that join you. And, but they're, you know, it's either slimes or slime knights or, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, demons or, you know, whatever that you, you know, you find. Uh, so... Yeah. You had said, so yeah, in the Super Nintendo, Super Famicom version, there were 40 monsters. And then when they did the remake, they allowed 71 to be captured. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's almost double, which was nice. So are there any monsters, uh, uh, aside from the very first one that you get in the plot of the game, which means, uh, like, has an emotion, you have an emotional attachment to, are there any other monsters in this game that you just thought were really cool, you went out of your way for... So I was I, like golems. Golem? <laughs> Sorry, I was actually I was actually about to say that. So Golem was my favorite one to get. It was the the brute guy. And uh to play nostalgia with myself, I renamed him Goldman after the golems in Dragon Warrior One. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, uh, what about you, Craig? I think the 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 very first monster I got, aside from the one that's plot oriented. Uh, was a slime knight, and it was just nice to have another, like, essentially, like, a, another hero in the party, because he could heal, he took damage pretty well, he could dish out damage okay, and it was interesting that it's just like, oh, hey, here's a baby hero for you. Oh, yeah, okay. and I love the artwork for the for the slime knight, and he can wear almost all the armor that you can. Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It, it's it's um, honestly kind of broken. I also remember I got a heal slime, which is like uh, they were called healers back in the old game. And I had just beaten Dragon Quest four mm -hmm. before I played this. And in that game, there's a character called Healy that you get early in the game. So I renamed him Healy. Healy. That's awesome. I liked yeah. Healy. He was Healy was so good. He's such a good boy. Yeah. When's our Dragon Quest four episode? <laughs> Not soon <laughs> enough. Matrix, that's your uh, that's your favorite, isn't it? In the series. It is. Uh, yeah, Dragon Quest Four is my favorite. 
Yeah, we'll definitely cover that, and we'll have you on there for that one. Glitch, your yours and my favorite Dragon Quest is seven, right? Yeah, so far, because uh, for those listeners that don't know, I um, I played the first four as a kid, but uh, I started this thing where I wanted to play all of them, one through essentially nine and eleven, from start to finish, like in a row. So that's kind of what brought this episode up is I had just recently finished five. So as of now, I've completed one through five and seven. And yeah, seven is still my favorite as far as uh, everything goes. But man, all these games are, they're like neck and neck and it's so hard to pick a favorite. We'll definitely have to do uh, with the three of us a a top favorite ranker episode for Dragon Quest once I get further into this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The the thing I I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend, the fact that Dragon Quest, I feel like is probably one of the most consistent series. I mean, for 11 games, like I would have a really hard time, like four is my favorite after that, like trying to rank them. They're just like so consistent in their quality that I I feel like I'd have a hard time, but I'd be excited to try. It's interesting that you say that because like something like Final Fantasy has some real high notes but also some real low notes. You know, there's definitely some issues with the series, you know, as a whole. Uh, but yeah, Dragon Quest doesn't necessarily have that. Uh, all of them are very good. And mind you, very little changes from game to game. Like the, the same formula is almost always on display. There's tiny, tiny quirks to every game that make it unique among the series. But generally they're all pretty similar and so you know on one hand yeah they're not really innovating but at the same time they, they don't really need to innovate yeah i mean yeah. if it's not if it ain't broke and i mean it also helps that the, it's always the same team i mean you always got yuji hori working on the story you always got akira toriyama doing the artwork same composer same directors i mean it's it's literally the same team for the last 30 years Let's but it was interesting uh oh sorry craig um, oh. I thought it was interesting that Yuji Hori said that this is his favorite of the series. I think I would argue that this isn't my favorite of all time uh, of the Dragon Quest series, but I do think it is maybe objectively the best. I could see that. I, yeah. I, I feel like Yuji Hori's onto something with this one. It's I feel like it has an even more emotional story than most of the other Dragon Quests. And let's face it, they're all incredibly depressing games that are very emotional. <laughs> even like, their Minecraft game, like, hits you in the feels. Seriously, like, it's 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 honestly kind of astounding uh, that they have continually been able to make these, like, you know, very heartfelt games. Uh, I mean, honestly, the, the first Dragon Quest, arguably even the second, weren't that emotional. But by the time you get to the third and on, it like starts getting heavier and heavier. Uh, but yeah, five has tons of of you know pathos and emotion behind it, uh, which we're not going to drop too many spoilers at the start of this episode. But by the end, we'll give you a spoiler warning so we can go a little more in depth. Uh, but I I feel like there's a lot of credit that needs to be given to Yuji Hori who's always doing the, like, uh, I believe he's the scenario director or the scenario designer or whatever you want to call him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, kudos to the guy because, like, yeah, they're they're not all super original. They're all fantasy series. They're all kind of have a similar kind of theme. You know, the hero's journey, take down a demon lord, boom, you're done. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, like, there's not really any of the Dragon Quest series, especially five, where things that are supposed to be emotional fall flat. 
you know. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. They definitely they're very picky about when they when they go for that emotional moment. And I think as a result, you know, they're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to have that that moment. Um, they're very um, selective. Yeah. Now, I. Uh, I did want to uh, make a brief mention. Uh, I got some flack, uh, coincidentally, from a blog that I did on the GameZilla site uh, for GameZillaMedia.com. I had done a blog talking about how, uh, at that time, it was uh, that because they weren't bringing Dragon Quest Eleven to the uh, 3DS, it was kind of proof that the, you know, the, the 3DS had been killed off by Nintendo. And coincidentally, I was correct. It, shortly after that, uh, Nintendo discontinued the 3DS and, you know, they're not making, or discontinued games for it anyway. Uh, but in that article, I mentioned that Dragon Quest isn't a very big seller in America. And a fair few people gave me some crap for it. Uh, but <laughs> what I'd like to do here is make a quick comparison. Uh, the difference between Dragon Quest in Japan and the rest of the world, especially America. So the uh, total sales of the DS version, which is the version that, you know, everyone has access to, uh, was 1.49 million. Do you guys want to take a shot in the dark for what that number is in, like, the, uh, the sales in Japan for just that DS game? So 1.49 million was the U.S.? Yep, or no, for the world. For the world. I'm going to say, like, 1.2 million were Japan. 1.2 million? Uh, glitch? Yeah, I'm going to say 1.1. 1.36 million. An overwhelming majority of the games sold were sold in Japan. It, uh, yeah. it doesn't even come close. I mean, yeah. since we're on the topic, I did do a bunch of numbers, kind of showing the comparison. So, uh, for the super for the for the Super Famicom version of the game, it was the 16th bestseller of the entire system worldwide. So that includes U.S. and European sales, making it the sixth best-selling Super Nintendo or Super Famicom game in Japan. Uh, for the PlayStation 2 remake. It was the 80th best-selling PlayStation 2 game worldwide, ninth in Japan. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, your DS numbers were right. It was the 47th best-selling DS game, 25th in Japan. It, it's it's insane to me. It's, yeah. it's partly insane to me that somebody thought they could argue Dragon Quest with me. <laughs> that alone is just astounding. But it's yeah, also I, astounding just the difference. Like, Japan loves these games. Yeah, in total, it sold 6.21 million copies over all remakes in the original. Wow. I wonder if it has something to do with... I feel like Japan RPGs are kind of more popular just in general. Like, I, there was another game I had for comparison on this, which was Final Fantasy III uh, for the NES. And I looked, and in Japan, the NES Final Fantasy III, that was Japan, only sold 1.4 million copies. Worldwide, the DS remake only sold 2 million. So I'm wondering if that just speaks to Japan is more open to those types of experiences. I think so. Yeah, I think Japan in general really prefers RPGs over, you know, the other uh, kind of cultures of, uh, uh, of the world. 
But I will say Clearly they have taste. <laughs> yeah, you know, but Dragon Quest <laughs> is just sort of above and beyond when it comes to, you know, uh, that preference. Uh, while we're chatting about kind of worldwide, you know, facts and figures, uh, I have a little bit of information on Famitsu uh, magazine. Uh, for those who don't know, Famitsu is a magazine that's still running today in Japan uh, that, at least in the past, I don't know about these days, but it used to be very notorious for being very stingy with its scores. It was a very, very discerning magazine. Uh, Famitsu gave it a 36 out of 40. Uh, and up until that point in 1992, the magazine had only given that score or better to 11 other video games. Wow. Are there any uh, games on that on that 11 that we would know? Uh, you know, I didn't grab that list of 11, honestly. I, I would imagine there there are, because, well, actually, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, but I don't have that list uh, in front of me, unfortunately. Uh, Man, I just saw in uh, 2006, Famitsu had a reader vote, and Dragon Quest V was number 11 and number 40. <laughs> Oh, so the, the the I think the any the uh, SNES was uh, eleven and the PS2 remake was number forty, so it was on there twice. <laughs> it's so amazing. All right, so so we've hyped up this game, and you know we've talked a little bit about you know Yuji Hori, Akira Toriyama. I feel like is kind of just goes without saying that he's amazing. He's the artist for Dragon Ball, uh, and a you know uh, Doctor Slump, uh. He's, you know, huge. His art style is amazing. Uh, so let's get into spoiler territory at this point. Sure. Yeah. We've talked about why this, uh, uh, or that this game is amazing, but not really the why behind it. So as I mentioned right at the start of the episode, uh, Dragon Quest V is the story of your life. Like, you start as a kid. Uh, the game begins and your father is taking you on this like journey to go to this like little village and this is the only life you've ever known traveling with your father and he's apparently a big deal but you don't really know why and you start off as a kid your adventures are very mundane at the start it's like playing catch up to your father uh, meeting this other little girl named Bianca and befriending her and, like, trying to save this, like, poor little saber, you know, sab uh, saber tusk cat. Kitten. Yeah, you can't even read. Yeah. That was a nice touch. <laughs> when, when you select books at that age, it's like, this book looks really complicated. Too bad you can't read. <laughs> it's so good. The uh, One of my, probably one of my favorite scenes, at least from the beginning of the game, is uh, that little girl, Bianca, when you first meet her, she's like, oh, I can read this book to you. And she struggles with it herself. She's only just maybe slightly older than the hero or maybe slightly more educated. And it's just such a wonderfully charming moment in the game that it really makes you feel like, oh, this is an RPG where you're playing a kid. Mm -hmm. it, it's not just like the token, you're a child chapter of this game. And you're going to act like an adult would as you go through this event. Like, you're a child. Yeah. Yeah, and it never and felt like, like a flashback either or anything like that. You know, it felt like this is... It, it, they could have probably made a whole game out of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this is spoiler territory, and all good things come to an end. Uh, throughout your little adventures as a kid, you 
sort of gets stuck dealing with what is it, Prince Harry? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and you get kidnapped with Prince Harry and your father, uh, Pankras, Pankras, whatever his name is. Well, uh, um, Harry gets kidnapped by himself and you go out to find him with your dad, Pankras. Is that when uh, uh, you get separated from your father? No. Well, so I'm trying to remember exactly when, but... He, the father goes to the castle to watch over Prince Harry and Prince Harry's trying to get away from you guys. He gets kidnapped and then you and your dad go chasing after him trying to find him and he's, he's gets sent into a jail and that's how you get a hold of Prince Harry. Right, right, right. I, uh, so as the game goes though, eventually there comes a point where, uh, your dad has to protect you. Yep. And in order to do so, he just stands in front of the these demons taking their hits, and he dies. And it's super emotional. It is so heavy. And he tells you that your mother is still alive and to continue searching for her. And so you... Like, you're still a kid. You're still there. And so the, the demons are like, who's this little brat? They take you and the prince and throw you into like slave like slave mines building like this giant temple. And so for the next like 10 years or whatever, you're just a slave and finally you break free and you continue your journey to to try to track down your mother. Yep. It is so heavy. Like what games deal with something like that, let alone in 1992? That's what I was thinking. I can't think of any other game that did like a big time skip like that, that early. Like there are definitely games where time passed, but I can't think of another one where like 10 years pass, like you play part of the game and then 10 years passes and then there's a ton more game. Yeah, I, I can't think of any myself. I, I Nothing comes to mind. Uh, which th there must be some, I'm sure, but yeah, maybe I think that this one at least probably did it maybe the best. And so, I mean, at the, in the mines, you meet Maria, who is a female that's been enslaved too. And Henry, um, I keep wanting to say Henry, Harry and Maria kind of make a relationship out of it. And they escape together with you. And that's how you get out of being a slave. Yep. Uh, and so the, the, the next big part of the, the game that comes to my mind, and, you know, there, there's a lot to this game, of course, but we're just sort of doing a quick abridged version uh, who did you guys choose to marry? <laughs> I'll let Matrick go first. Um, I married Deborah. Oh, you're that kind I, of guy. I totally, I totally, um, yeah, I, I went with that. <laughs> she treats you like crap. Um, but like, that's the kind of the thing I like, she's definitely, uh, soon, very Sundari, um, where it's. <laughs> Like the the love is there, but she is she's just very abrasive. I always kind of wanted to try a, a Deborah run of the game, uh, but I, I I just haven't had the time to like play multiple times going through the game. Uh, what about you, Glitch? Who did you choose? Uh, yeah, so I mean, for everyone to know, so at the beginning of the game, you do meet these two characters. So I mean, before you meet uh, Bianca, you are riding on a rich man's boat. It's Mister Briscoe Laddie. 
the rich Italian guy. And uh, he's got. <laughs> That's he's why got you two, chose her, didn't you? Uh, he's got two daughters, Deborah, who is the older sister, kind of snubby, bratish. And then Nira, who's the blue haired daughter, kind of like innocent and submissive almost like i don't know but uh so when you when you meet up with these people later on the road 10 years or 11 years or whatever it is at that point you meet back up with bianca and then you go to the village where the briscoletti family is and yeah you have to choose he wants you to go on this quest to find these two rings and whoever finds these rings will marry his daughter nira so at (laughs) so there's this point where he's like who do you want to marry and it's do you want to marry nira my daughter or Bianca, your your friend, and then all of a sudden Deborah just storms on the stairs and she's like, wait a second. <laughs> You're that guy who got all those rings, right? You're gonna be mine. And so you have to choose essentially between these three women. I chose Deborah the first time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you guys no heart? Your childhood friend that you spent time with as a kid is one of the choices, and you choose the <laughs> girl you've never met before because she told you to choose her? Yeah. I actually have a funny story about that. Spineless. Um, That's what you I'm, guys are. Spineless <laughs> cowards. So apparently when this game, you know, because it only came out in Japan, when they before the fan translation came out, but when people were still trying to emulate it, there was supposedly only one English guide for the game. And someone in that guide decided to troll everybody and said that if you chose Nera, uh, Nera instead of Bianca, that basically ev- like all these terrible things happened. Like uh, her father, Bianca's father would die. Bianca would have to be forced to work uh, at a bar to make ends meet. And uh, Nera's a uh, childhood friend would be miserable. So no one did it. No one tried. No one did this for years. No one called them out on it because no one would know. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, it made people make the right choice. Bianca. <laughs> well, you I, uh, couldn't choose Deborah in the uh, in the original anyway, so it wouldn't have. Ma- they couldn't oh, make really? the right choice. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, yeah, yeah Deborah was added for the DS. I do love that when you select Deborah, you have to say yes like twice, and then the dad's like, "Wait a second, are you sure?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which he doesn't do for the other two girls, just for Deborah. Wait a minute, uh, but, Deborah. Yeah, uh, I did reset it right after picking Deborah, and I poked, picked Bianca, which is obviously the more canon version of the story, I think. Uh, she's on I don't know, cover. in Dragon Quest, uh, oh, sorry, Craig, in Dragon Quest, uh, what was the uh, Warriors games, it seems like they're both, can- like, uh, Nira and uh, Bianca are canon, because they both show up. And yeah. they're both like, yeah, we're just waiting for our guy. <laughs> It's interesting that they, like, because the option is there, they don't want to alienate one or the other. So it's like, yeah, both are kind of canon, sort of, not really. Uh, Yeah, they're both in the game. Those shippers are vicious, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did call you guys spineless cowards. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. That means a lot coming from you, too. Uh uh, I, I, they do eventually just whoever you pick, it doesn't matter. They mend the story to fit with the rest of the story. And by doesn't and, matter, you mean it matters completely because Bianca is <laughs> the right choice. Uh, Craig, I take it you you chose Bianca. Absolutely, she's on the cover. For God's <laughs> sake! I. Uh, 
No, the uh, I I felt like the 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 meeting the random girl that you need to marry just to get her dad's like sail like sailboat was like I I just that's not cool, right? Coming into town, meeting this girl for the first time, being like, "Yo, here's your ring. Give me your boat." It's just that's rotten. I don't know. I'm not seeing a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, a boat's better than a goat. That's what they used to trade for with, uh, back in the day, right? What, in like Mary, ancient Babylon times? Marry my daughter and you get the cow. <laughs> uh, so, so, so yeah, you find out that whoever you marry is from uh, it's Zenithian descent, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I thought you Zenithian? Uh, it is Zenithian, because this is the Zenithian trilogy. Four, five, and six all use Zenithia somewhere in their game. Yeah. <laughs> and so, essentially, you've been you've been searching for this hero. Your dad kind of tells you, or is it that you find a note? I actually can't remember. You, you find the, a sword left by your father with a note that says you need to find that he was in search for the hero, the Zenithian hero. And you yes. never really come across the Zenithian hero. Except, well, sort except, of. except <laughs> after after your kids are born. Which, by the way, what did you uh, did you guys rename your kids? I know I know Craig's one of those people that likes to keep whatever the default name is. Did you change the names of uh, the kids, or did you leave it as Perry and uh, was it Perry and Madison or something? I Madison. did change mine. Okay, what did you pick? Do you remember? Uh I know I played this more recently than you guys, so obviously it's fresh in my head. Uh, so I always name my heroes Will, uh, which is uh, my middle name, uh, because back in the day we only had like four characters for you know uh, uh, names in video games typically, and Craig wouldn't fit, and so I just went with the the first four letters of my middle name, which is an actual name, Will, uh, and so it was Will, and then. I don't remember what I named my kids, but I remember renaming them. But I, I couldn't tell you what. It's been quite a few years since I've played. Yeah, I think I left the the defaults. I really only recently started using um, certain certain names in, in games. I'm actually kind of disappointed that Craig didn't name his Craig, just C-R-A-G. <laughs> <laughs> I think we brought that up before. Uh, K-R-E-G. Hey, I mean, oh, it kind of works. It, you can make it work, but then it looks kind of silly. I Correct. still, in games that only have four characters, instead of putting Matt, I will put Mertik. M-R-T-K. That's that's shortened. <laughs> that's great. In so hindsight, I, oh yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. So for me, there it's a it's a it's a boy and a girl, uh-huh. and they're twins. So obviously, I wanted their first initial, their first letter to be the same. Sure. So I named the daughter Raz, R-A-Z after the dad, Pink Raz. And like I had said earlier, I just beat Dragon Quest Four, so I named the boy Ragnar after the first character you play in Dragon Quest Four. <laughs> nice. Cool. In hindsight, I wish that I uh, could go back in time and tell myself to name the uh, daughter Craig Mantha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hindsight's man. 2020. <laughs> I, uh, but yeah, so so we're not gonna dive too deep into the end of this game. Hopefully, you'll still you know go out and play it. But yeah, you you have kids and your kids join you, and they're in like the battles with you, and that like 
you know, it's it's your son who's the legendary hero. Yeah, yeah it's I a story that, that it's a story that pans three generations, which is yeah, it's something that wasn't it was unique at the time. Well, I would almost argue it's still unique. Like, who's doing things like that these days? Yeah, yeah. I can I only think of a couple of games, like Record of the, I think it's Agorist Wars. I, I know did something similar. Mm-hmm. But... I, I want to say one of the fantasy stars, maybe three, had something where it goes through generations and could be. I I think doesn't Fable do that as well? Like where you jump in, like you have a kid and they take over or something. I don't remember. I never really played the Fable games, honestly. Uh, the first one, you start out as a kid, but you then become an adult. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, uh, this was the first game to have a bonus dungeon. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, I don't remember if I did the bonus dungeon or not in this one. Yeah, I was going to ask. So there's this like mini game thing called the TNT board. You get TNT tickets. And it's like a roll of the dice and you land on certain spots. You get treasures or you get sent back to the beginning of the board. Or you got to fight battles. And if you complete it, there's always a big treasure at the end. Um, in the bonus dungeon, there's this gigantic board that like it's like four floors long and goes on forever. Did either of you guys do that board? Nope. <laughs> to be honest, uh, typically with a lot of Dragon Quest games, because the games are so long, by the end, I'm just like, let me just kill the Demon Lord and be done with this. <laughs> I love these games, but my God, they just will not end. You're like I gearing up to fight the final boss, and then you're like, all right, here, we're ready to go. And then 40 hours later, you're like, oh, all right, here's the final boss for real. I... Now, I, I won't go too deep into the uh, uh, the end or anything, uh, but beating this game has is a very special memory for me because not only is it a, a fun, cool ending and stuff, and, you know, it's an emotional game, and so, like, that's just sort of the feather on the, you know, the cap, uh, but I was actually on a vacation when I beat this game. I was uh, up north at a buddy's cabin, and while well, everyone was asleep, because I typically wake up pretty early, I... Uh, while everyone was in bed still, I woke up early in the morning, knew that I was in, like, the final area, and I was like, I think I might be able to beat it. And I beat the game, and just then, like, uh, a buddy of mine, like, came in and was like, is everything all right? And I was just, like, kind of emotional. I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> you always seem to beat games at, like, uh, big events. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why that has happened multiple times for me. Because uh, you ignore family so you can play video games? Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Uh, <laughs> As so, <yeah>. we all do. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, the Dragon Quest V. Uh, before I yeah, start... I got... Yeah? Oh, I was just going to say, so I found some Easter eggs. Or at least I found one Easter egg. Yeah? So at the beginning of the game, when you select your name, uh, your dad will come in and, you know, he'll... He'll say to the wife, uh, oh, our son is born. I picked the perfect name in a Madison. Do you know what happens if you name your file Madison? What's that? He comes in and says, I want to name him Erdrick. <laughs> That's great. So that only That's happens cool. if you name the file Madison. That's um, cool. And then I had some speedrunning stuff, too. Yeah, if yeah. You, lay uh, that on if us. you guys want. So, uh... The game is any percent. Uh, the person who has the record is Purple Mario nine two zero. 
Uh, he does do it on the DS, so it's not a emulator or anything like that. Do you guys want to give a guess at how long it took him to beat the game? Any percent? I'm going to say four hours. I was going to shoot like 12 hours. So, Matrick was closest. It's five hours, 29 minutes, and 28 seconds. Jeez. Oh! Uh, he beats the game when he's at level 28. Uh, and he does most of the grinding through RNG manipulation using the DS's clock. So, something with the way uh, the game reads memory off the, the clock of the DS, uh-huh. he would go do a quick save, reset, or go to the main menu, change the time, reset the... DS and then start the game at a specific second. And then I that way, he, what were you going to say, Metric? I, I said I love slash hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that way he's able to uh, get a metal slime to join him right off the bat as soon as you can have monsters join you because they have the most insane defense. So he would literally just go through dungeons with the metal slime and then just like keep running away until he was able to get to wherever he needed to. Um, and then also he does the same thing to defeat metal slimes, metal babbles, whatever he needs uh, to get to do all that. And then there's one out of bounds thing he does in the volcano, which I had to look it up. It's called Mount Magmageddon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great name. Uh, that's the that's the place where you get the, the ring of fire that you're supposed to give that Mr. Uh, Briscoletti wants you to get for the daughter. Um when he gets on the stairs, he kind of like tiptoes towards the top and he's able to go out of bounds and reach the stairs at the end of the volcano. Insane. Oh, and uh, one more thing he does is uh, is like a trick. You get this book. It's called the Big Monster Book. It shows you how many times you face certain enemies. It tells you what they drop, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of like an inventory for enemies you encounter. I bet you, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, they've had it in multiple versions of the games. I think this was the first game that had. No, do you know what? Uh, four did. I think four did have the book. I might be wrong. But uh, when he was in the overworld to avoid enemies, he would take a certain amount of steps, open the book, and then continue on so he wouldn't have any enemy encounters. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Because that sets up, like, resets the RNG. Yep. God, that's so insane. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm impressed, of course, but like, that is just wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, I, uh, I tell you what, though, guys. Uh, how about we take a quick break and then we'll chat about the music after that. Hey, it's me, everybody, Tim Kittrow. I'm here to talk to you about Old School Gamer. Old School Gamer is the magazine for gamers. It covers arcade and retro gaming, gives you gaming history and in-depth interviews with people like me who are there, and it lets you know what conventions are happening and when. Issues come out once every other month. Plus, a website full of even more razzle-dazzle, and it's all for just 30 bucks a year. So visit OldSchoolGamer.com and subscribe now. Whoa, as has been stated on this show previously, Koichi Sugiyama is a genius, but he's a madman. Makes sense. He, yeah. I mean, he still does he still do the music for the games and he's like 88 or something uh, like that? 
but I mean, he's a madman because he's also, uh, you know, denies that like the the you know events of Nanking in World War Two didn't happen and stuff. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, did you not know that? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. No. Koichi Suyama is amazing. Like his music is phenomenal. But he himself, when I say a madman, I don't mean it's like, oh, ha, he's such a madman. Like, his music's so good. No, I mean, he's insane. He feels like the rape of Nanking didn't happen. Which is a this terrible... Is a, this is the sausage principle. Never find out how it's made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he unfortunately has some very controversial views. Uh, however, he's done the music for every Dragon Quest game. And we're talking the spinoffs. We're talking the side things, monsters, rocket slime adventure, whatever. He's done it. Uh, no wonder he's going crazy. That, that he does like one a year. He also uh, did the music for uh, uh, the Dragon Quest movie that came out recently, Your Story, which is also kind of based on Dragon Quest V. If you wanted to watch a Dragon Quest V movie that has a stupid twist ending. does uh, Did they make an English version of that yet? It's available on Netflix. Is it? Okay, uh, well, cool. Well, I don't know right. if the English version is, but at the very least, the movie is available on Netflix. All right. Uh, he also did the music for the Dino Daiboken series, uh, which is an anime based on the Dragon Quest world, uh, and a manga as well, uh, which is also going to be remade. Uh, a, a redone version is coming out, I think, next year uh, of that series, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, he also, the only two things that he's, well, I can't say that, Uh but one of the only things that he's done that's not Dragon Quest related is Godzilla versus Biollante, which makes me want to track down the soundtrack for that movie. Uh, and he also did a uh, a game that we've covered before, EVO. Oh, that's a good game. It is. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and play a few themes here, and I. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how you guys uh, like this Mad Band's music. just a small taste of the uh, battle theme, uh, which is, honestly, uh, it's kind of weird. I didn't get exposed to the battle theme from the game. Uh, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the orchestral game soundtrack series of albums that were, uh, had come out in Japan, uh, but ended up getting bootlegged and brought over to America uh, in, like, transferred around digitally back in the early days of like the internet 
Uh, never came familiar. across it. But yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anything from it. Orchestral Game Concert is five albums, uh, where uh, I don't know if it's the Japanese Philharmonic Orchestra or not. Uh, but they do a ton of video game soundtracks, typically from Nintendo and Super Nintendo, uh, and they're phenomenal. And that battle theme is one of them. And so when I was first playing this game in the days of emulation, I was like, oh, this sounds familiar. Uh, if they ever did anything Final Fantasy related, I think I may have. There are a few. <laughs> from them. There are a few. I'll, I'll share that out later. But for our listeners, uh, by all means, you know, not only this soundtrack, of course, but orchestral game concert. Uh, you should be able to find it on YouTube. Uh, next up is the uh, is a track that uh, Glitch chose. Uh, it's a track called Make Me Feel Sad. Yeah, so as we've mentioned like a few times, this is a very emotional game. And on all the like main plot turns in this game, this is one of the tracks that plays. Uh, you know, it's the track like we had mentioned, you know, your father allows himself to die. This is one of the songs that plays as he's taking his last breath. emotional song. Yeah, hold on. I, I, I got to finish cutting these onions and I'll be back with you guys here in a second. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... it's the, the game is just so... And I mean, all the Dragon Quest games are a little depressing, you know. It's some more so than others. But yeah, Dragon Quest V has some really heavy moments. Uh, you know, that, that song plays for quite a few of them. Uh, but on, uh, uh, to end on a lighter note, uh, Matrick here has chosen a song called Melody of Love. And, uh, uh, this is, you know, uh, like the, kind of the, this is like the wedding night song, right? Like when you have to choose who to marry. Yeah. You know, something a little more up, uplifting. I think yeah, it, at, at points in this game, it's appreciated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and give this a listen.
it's a really beautiful song. Um, yeah, one of the things that's always impressed me about Dragon Quest music is how well they pick their instrumentation. Like the use of flute and strings in that song in particular, I think matched the tone very well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, as a an aside that I neglected to mention, uh, the battle theme and the uh, that theme of love there uh, were from the original Super Nintendo version. The uh, the make me feel sad that uh, Glitch had chosen. We used the DS version, uh, so you can kind of get a little bit of a taste of the differences there. And honestly, like yeah, it's a Super Nintendo, and the the you know the soundboard is arguably not as going to be as impressive as something like the Nintendo DS. But I feel like the 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 composition itself just shines through that, you know, even on something that's a little more limited, like a Super Nintendo, it's a, you know, incredibly beautiful song. Yeah, I think during the Super Nintendo era and even the NES era, a lot of those composers did amazing work within those limitations. Oh, for sure. I mean, I one of the goals I've had in for Legend of Retro as a show is to highlight you know, those composers who, who, you know, did really impressive work for what they've been given. You know, can't be, couldn't have been that easy. Uh, but guys, I tell you what, before we move on, uh, what are your final thoughts on Dragon Quest V? So I'll say that, you know, having recently beat it, uh, I think even today this game holds up the ds version i rewatched some footage of the super famicom version and uh you won't find another game where the remake matches the original so well like i when i was looking up like dungeon maps and stuff the website i was using said these are the super famicom maps but don't worry they're the exact same as the ds so they just use these and i was like oh that's great that's awesome yeah the unlike uh, some other games out there like this is a remake that is wonderful like the the yeah the super nintendo versions you know a little tough to get into if you can't read japanese and you don't want to you know break the law uh but what's that <laughs> nothing uh but uh yeah the ds version if you have a nintendo ds or 3ds uh you know you should be able to get access to this pretty easy off of uh, ebay uh I, I think they made plenty of uh, uh, the you know English version, and I'm sure that it can't be too expensive online. Uh, Patrick, what about you? What are your final thoughts? So I most recently played this on Android, and honestly, they did a pretty good job of updating the graphics and still kind of keeping the old school aesthetic. Like it's it's exactly what I want out of it out of an updated remake. You know, I want the old game i just want it to look a little bit nicer like it doesn't need to be 3d it doesn't need to do all this stuff like it, it's what i wanted yeah um you know if you can get on board with touch controls which for jrpg doesn't really impact the gameplay all that much like i definitely recommend checking it out i think it was i want to say ten dollars um i can i can easily recommend it glitch is right it still holds up today uh it is definitely worth checking out if you like jrpgs yeah, and even the DS version, it's I, I want to say it still runs pretty cheap on eBay. Like you can find it for twenty, twenty-five bucks, um, and then just you know have that copy with you. But uh, it, uh, I just think it, it, you know a lot of people ask Dragon Quest fans like us, where do I start? Like if I'm new, new to the series, where do I start? And I feel like it's such a such a hard question to answer because I mean they're 
11 games deep into the series. There's so many side games. Do you think this is a good game for people to start off on? Because, I mean, it's it's Yuji Hori's favorite. It's the fan favorite. Do people start off on the gold or do they start somewhere else? I like to give people room to grow. So I don't know that I would necessarily start with this one, but I don't think anyone would be disappointed starting here yeah. at all. I, like, I, I think you could almost argue that it's all downhill from here. Like, I love all the <laughs> Dragon Quest games, but like this is maybe objectively the best. Uh, I would say that for a... A uh, person who's interested in Dragon Quest and maybe doesn't have the patience to just go through that many games and you just want a taste of what Dragon Quest is like, especially if you maybe like the Your Story movie and you kind of want to, you know, get that impact that that movie had on you, uh, then yeah, Dragon Quest V, I think, is a good bet. I... My, my only parting thought is that uh, if you chose anyone but Bianca, you uh, are a spineless <laughs> coward. And... Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, if you were a braver person, you would have chosen Bianca. Deborah Shippers for life. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, it's that Italian family. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead and uh, take a uh, jump on over to our retro relapse. Jones in for a classic game. It's time for retro relapse on the Legend of Retro Podcast. <laughs> Relapse. So we don't really have a retro relapse. <laughs> Instead, we're going to chat a little bit about uh, uh, kind of what we've been playing uh, during these quarantine times. Because even if you've been uh, somebody who's been stuck going out into the world, if you've been stuck working, uh, you know, you, you still can't get out as often as you could before. You know, you're not really going out to restaurants or seeing movies out in the you know uh, public. So, uh, uh, I wasn't supposed to, uh, were the theaters pretty empty? I mean, I was the only one in there, but the food was free. <laughs> Did they also not show a movie? I just popped my own popcorn and turned on the reels myself. <laughs> uh, so guys, what, what have you been playing lately? What, what's gotten you through quarantine time? Is there anything in particular? Patrick, you're our guest when you uh, start us off. Sure. Um, so I've been playing the Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition that just came out on Switch. Uh, that's pretty much consumed my life since it came out. I think I have over 80 hours into it and it's been out for just a couple weeks. Uh, and that's what's still trying to work full time in a, in a kid. So that's impressive. Uh, yeah, a uh, lot of lot of lack of sleep for sure. Um, and, and then Animal Crossing is probably the other one that I've played. I think it's probably the new one, I think, is probably my favorite since the original. Wow! Uh, how about for you, uh, Glitch? What uh, what have you been playing when you in your when you've had a chance? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I I just now started recently on Dragon Quest Six because that was the next one. Um, I played have you a game played called Dragon Quest Six before. No, so yeah, I've only ever played the NES games when I was a kid, and then Seven when it came out in what two thousand one or whatever, and then I just kind of. That was like the period right after right when the PlayStation 2 came out, I kind of gave up gaming for a bit. And cuz my PS2 library is only like 7 or 8 games big, and then I had a buddy who I went to college with. We became best friends. He had a 360, so that's kind of how it ended up going. But yeah, I I never played 5. This was like the first time I played it. I just started 6. Um and then I've been playing a game called Blazing Chrome 
which I don't know if you guys have heard that. It's it's on Game Pass right now. It just like a running gun Contra Three like style. Like it's perfect. It plays just like Contra Three. Super heavy, super super ridiculous. I am, gonna... I'm so glad that that is a game you've been playing because every time I see anything about that game, I always look at it. And I'm like, oh, what are what Glitch is gonna think about this one? I'll have to get his opinion. And then I just never ask you. I'm so glad that you're playing it. So you've been enjoying it? Oh, yeah. I beat it like four times. I uh, I did the boss rush. I think I have like two achievements left, which is beating it in 45 minutes and on hardcore. hardcore. Um, and then I played the Ori games. I played both Ori games back to back. Oh, nice. Ori, yeah. um, the Blind Forest, and Will of the Wisps. And I thought those games were amazing. The story's fantastic. Uh, seriously, like if you haven't played those games, they're beautiful uh, and so much fun. It's you're it's kind of like a platform metroidvania style game you you know you you get abilities and you go back to places you couldn't before so uh that's what i've been doing that's that's pretty much what i've been playing so far nice nice uh so last time uh i i had an update you know for the (laughs) listeners about uh what i've been playing during quarantine time i've been playing world of warcraft and uh to be honest I've actually uh, uh, canceled my subscription since then, and I'm trying just, you know, trying to save money, trying not to use too much if I don't have to. Uh, but one thing I got a hold of was the uh, Mini Turbo Graphics 16. That finally nice. arrived in the mail, uh, which is funny because it originally popped up uh, that it was supposed to come out earlier this year. And then I got an email and it was like, hey, it's coming out January of 2021. And I was like, oh, all right, it's quarantine time. I guess I get it. And then abruptly it changed. It was like, no, stupid, you're getting it now. And it was like, oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) You'll get it now and you'll like it. (laughs) If you insist. Uh, But that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've been playing, uh, because I never really, I never owned a TurboGrafx. I've only played certain games on like the Wii's virtual console uh and then I played Bonk when I was a kid at a neighbor's house uh if you've listened to our Bonk's adventure episode you'll hear the story of how I'm a giant jerk uh but uh but no it's it's a lot of fun it's really interesting all the different games they have and honestly it's gonna be weird but do you want to know what my favorite might be all right go for it Alien Crush a pinball game never heard of it it's I've heard of it. Yeah. Awesome. I think I, I might have that. It might be the best pinball game on a console that I've ever played. <laughs> which I realize best non-pinball pinball game. Yeah, it, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed that one quite a I'm bit. I'm looking at the list. I'm surprised you didn't say one of the Bomberman games. Uh, don't be wrong. Bomberman's fun. It, it it's a cool game series, but I don't know. It's there's something very relaxing and mindless about zoning out and watching these nasty horrid aliens as you play pinball oh i see I china that. warrior is on here is that the game i made you guys play that one time it might be i think i avoided that one when i was going through <laughs> playing them oh uh, d- double dungeons is not on here that no, was a fun wasn't. game i had you guys do for retro relapse yeah that one was pretty interesting yeah. I, you I did a blog was. on this uh on the turbo graphics menu too didn't you yeah, I did. When it was first announced, I, I chatted about all the different games and stuff. Uh, so if you go to gamezillamedia.com, uh, you'll be able to track that down if you're really interested. Uh, but uh, no, aside from that, the only other thing I've been playing is I uh, uh, got back into Hearthstone, uh, which is like a collectible card game, because uh, it's free. 
Oh god, I got so addicted to that game I had to stop. Yeah, it can be really addictive. Uh, I actually, the newest deck that I was playing around with was a Hunter Secret deck. And oh, so nice. it's, it's nothing but throwing out traps and having monsters that make traps appear. And I, I can almost guarantee that everyone I have faced with it is annoyed by it. It might not always win, but they're at least annoyed by me. I can guarantee you that that is true. <laughs> I'm not even playing right now, and I'm annoyed by it. <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, so for all our listeners uh, who uh, uh, maybe haven't had too many people to talk to you know, during these kind of weird times, uh, go to GameZillaMedia.com and jump on our Discord. Uh, the link is there. Uh, let us know in the Legend of Retro uh, uh, section, you know, what uh, classic games you've been playing. We also have channels for more modern games. Uh, you know, by all means, track us down. Let us know how you're you know, thinking about the show. Uh, but uh, before we end today, we have uh, our music brackets to get into. So. Yeah, what do we got this week? First up, uh, we have... And I need to bring up the uh, information on the composer. But uh, from Batman on Nintendo, we have Streets of Desolation, uh, which was composed by uh, Naoki uh, Kodaka, who's done a lot of music for Sunsoft, uh, their Nintendo games. And this is maybe one of the best Nintendo songs ever. And the fact that it didn't go further in our NES music bracket is a travesty. talking about composers that were able to do a lot with a little in the NES sound chip. Right! Our buddy Naoki Kodaka is a genius. That is so good. Uh, I, I yeah, love that. That's theme. easily one of my favorite songs on the NES, too. And uh, do you know what song it lost to in the NES bracket? I just had to pull it up because you mentioned it. Uh, Zelda 2 Dungeon Theme. Oh, that's not wrong. That's, that's <laughs> I'm sorry, really Craig. Good. That's yeah, not wrong. Really I don't know. One. I don't know. I don't see it. I really don't over here. Here's the thing. I like Streets of Desolation better, but that is a really good song. I, I feel like there was some nostalgia pulling on people for that one and Smash Brothers fans. Uh, I, say, I hate Zelda 2, so I, there's no nostalgia. That's just the, <laughs> the redeeming quality of that game. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, going up against uh, uh, the stage theme for uh, Batman, the first stage, we have the uh, song Starlight Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog 1, 
which was composed by uh, Masato Nakamura, who once again knocked it out of the park, working with not a lot and making a lot with it. Uh, this is uh, uh, Starlight Zone. Let's go ahead and give this a listen. really really enjoy that song that is it's 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 interesting that it goes in kind of an opposite direction than streets of desolation whereas that is real high energy kind of grungy and like dark starlight zone is a dark theme because it's at like nighttime or whatever but it itself is kind of happy and peaceful almost yeah i feel like there's like a bit more going on musically in in the Sonic song, but you're right. The Batman song has so much energy. Yeah, it's it's both themes are awesome, uh, and the Starlight Zone is also interesting. That it also uh, is basically the Starlight Zone is a song from the Japanese band Dreams Come True that Masato Nakamura was a part of. He basically took like a bunch of the songs <laughs> from an upcoming album and made it into like a demo. Like Sonic One is almost like a demo of their like album that came out after this game. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I really feel like this is gonna be a, a close one this week. It's it's it all depends. I, I guess on your nostalgia. I mean, how how much of a Sonic fan you are, and you know, I think it really will dig deep with people on you know what they pick. So, Craig, what are what are the different ways people can can vote? Yeah, we have four different ways that our fans can vote. If you follow us on Facebook, there's a vote there. Our Twitter account, you can go ahead and uh, follow us there. You get a vote. Our Discord that we mentioned earlier, GameZillaMedia.com. Join us on the Discord. Every week we have a, a vote there. And so long as you're giving a minimum of $1 per month, you have an extra vote by going to Patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. Glitch, let our fans know. What else do they got going on on uh, Patreon? Yeah, so patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, like Craig said. Uh, you can sub to us for $1. You get that bonus vote, like he said. You also get access to early retro relapse videos, which, I mean, we haven't put any out in the last few months. But once we get that going, you can get that. You get State of the Zilla, which is a collaboration show from different members of GameZilla Media. That's just a dollar, though. I can tell you this. If you're keeping track, there's been four Sonic songs. Do you want to know who picked which Sonic song? If you do, you got to be a $5 member. Because we did a draft at the beginning of the season 
where all of us got together. LPJ was the commissioner for the draft. <laughs> he helped us pick out our votes. So there you can get the inside scoop. We're almost down, done with round one, so you can find out who picked all the songs. But it doesn't stop there because you get everything for that $5, for that $1, whatever you pick, you get everything from GameZilla Media. So if you get that $5 mark, you get our Game Shark show, which is our monthly show. You get everything from Noiseland, Noobs and Dragons, uh, GameZilla Podcast, and Lax Action Podcast. <laughs> and uh, the rest of those shows. And <laughs> yeah, the Mars, other shows. Bart, Lisa, and the rest. <laughs> uh, but we had a guest here today. His name is Matrick. He's on Noobs and Dragons. But what else do you do, Matrick? Let the people know how they can find you. Yes, I am occasionally on Twitch. Not so much these days. Um, but mostly you can find me on YouTube. Matrick on stage. M-A-T-R-I-K. Uh, I mainly do Let's Plays, but I also do uh, reviews occasionally. I actually just recently put out a video about uh, the best starting uh, Final Fantasy game. So if you've never played a Final Fantasy game and want to know where to start, consider checking that out. Or if you just want to watch me throw boxes around my office, I do that too. <laughs> uh, I will say the that video about where to start Final Fantasy, I really enjoyed that video you did, Matrick. That was a very good one. Uh, awesome, your, thank you. Your let's plays are a lot of fun, uh, but I felt like that was a very solid video. Yeah, I messaged Matrick right after the video. I was like, hey, so tell me, were there any boxes that were damaged while you were throwing them around your room? <laughs> I said nothing of value was lost. <laughs> Make sure to check out Matrick on stage uh, on YouTube, his YouTube channel. Uh, but of course, Matrick on stage, as well as myself, are on Noobs and Dragons, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. If you would like to hear me putting uh, Matrick on stage, as well as LPJ and Sphinx from Last Action Podcast, uh, just into a horrible nightmare world, uh, make sure to go ahead and listen to that show. Season one had Shops, as well as uh, 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 Grimlock and Jazzy, aka Owl Zero. Uh, uh, who were on the uh, GameZilla show. Uh, so, yeah, make sure to uh, track all that down. Uh, but otherwise, guys, I think it's about time that we sign out. Uh, we'll see you all next time when the legend, when the legend continues. continues. continues.